0: Hey friends, welcome back to the Pulpit to Pew podcast in this week's adult Bible study as we continue in the book of Exodus and in the life of Moses. And today, we briefly touched where we left off last week in chapter 2, but then quickly got to chapter 3 and into chapter 4. And really today's focus was on Moses and Moses' insecurities, but more importantly, the insecurity that we face today. And I think not the insecurity, that's probably the wrong way to say it. I, mean, I should say the insecurities that we face today. And there's a big phrase I don't want you to miss at the beginning of this when we're talking about it, when we're talking about what insecurity is. And I said something to the effect of this Insecurity is whenever you say, I am not blank enough, whatever you fill in the blank with, that's where your insecurity is. Now, it comes out in different ways. That sounds easy in that formula, and I'll, that's how I'll talk about it in class today. But It's actually deeper than that, and your insecurity can get, should I say, can camouflage itself a little bit better, but you start to identify it with that question. And so that's what we talked about this week. I hope that this podcast is an encouragement to you. I hope that the last week's on Thursday was encouraged to you from Proverbs 16, three verses that guide my life, and I hope that they were an encouragement to you. So without further ado, here's this week's Bible study. Take our Bibles and go to, let's go to Exodus chapter 2. We'll kind of pick up a little bit where we were last week, but um, we're going to get out of there and get to chapter 3 pretty quick, all right? But Exodus chapter number 2, and I want to kind of give some, uh, a little bit of preface here. I'm trying to decide when when I want to get to this. I think I want to cover two and then get into a little bit of my introductory comments. Where we left off last week, you remember last week we kind of dealt with chapter one and how did Israel get in this situation where they needed to deliver. The theme of the book of Exodus is redemption. If you weren't able to be here for last week's lesson, it is on the, the podcast. If you have trouble finding that, let me know. But we we talked with how did Israel get in the situation they were in they and how they got to Egypt and what all happened there, what made this king insecure. But then... Moses we talked about his birth I do want to make mention again of those Hebrew midwives that they they their their role of faith we discussed them but then we've got into to Moses's birth his mother tried to hide him for 3 months but then she put him into this this it's called an ark there in the in the Bible it's put him down and he just happened to come upon the princess's place and then she takes him in. He's raised, in a sense, by his mother, but he's got the best of the educations. He's, he's in the, the Egyptians' uh, household, or the Pharaoh's household, so he's able, he was able to get the best learning and schooling and everything in his first 40 years of life. But there's going to be a big transition, and so that's why I felt like I needed to come back to chapter 2 for a second and talk about this transition, starting in verse let's go to verse 10 it says "And the child that's moses grew and she brought him unto pharaoh's daughter and he became her son and she called his name moses and she said because i drew him out of the water and it came to pass in those days when moses was grown that he went out into his brother so now he's grown he's older he's actually about 40 years old and he, he went out unto his brother and the other israelites and he looked on their burdens and he spied an Egyptian smiting a Hebrew, another word for an Israelite, one of his brethren. So they now you gotta remember we've already been talked about this last week. The Hebrews have been basically slaves now. They've been under these taskmasters, they've been doing this hard work. And Moses has known that, but for some reason now he feels like he's going to do something about it. Was it was he sheltered before this? I don't think so. I think he knew some of what was going on. Some believe that he was trying to take things into his own hands and that he was trying to um, deliver them at this point. Uh, we don't know if he was that aware of what was going on, but Moses sees the Egyptian beating the Israelite, and so he says, i got to do something about this. So it says, verse 12, when he says, look at this first phrase, tell me what you think it means. We're in Exodus chapter 2, verse 12 and he looked this way and that way. Now, if you ever had a kid, or maybe yourself, when you go this way and then you go this way, you're looking around to see if anybody's watching. He knows what he's about to do. Eh, Maybe I shouldn't do what I'm about to do. So he looked one way, looked the other way, and then he says, verse number, and he saw that there was no man, he slew the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. So he now kills a man. So he's raised in Pharaoh's house, but he's killed a man. And he killed an Egyptian, one of the ones that he's supposed to be on the side of. He's killed him, and then he just tries to cover it up. He puts him into the sand. Well, the next day, or a couple days later, verse 13, and when he went out the second day, behold, two of his of the Hebrews strove together. And he said unto him that did the wrong, Wherefore smitest thou thy fellow? So these two Israelites are fighting. He says, What are you guys doing fighting? And he said, this Israelite, who made thee prince and a judge over us? Intendest thou to kill me as thou killst the Egyptian? And Moses feared and said, surely this thing is known. So now he knows words out. I mean, I mean, people are starting to find out. People are going to start to talk. If you, you all live in a small community, you know what happens when people start to talk, right? It starts to spread out. And all of a sudden, Moses is thinking, oh, this is going to get back to Pharaoh. And once this gets back to Pharaoh that I killed one of his people, I am in trouble. So Moses is about 40 years at this point, 40 years old, and he is going to leave. And he's going to take off, and I'm not, that's the part that I'm not going to cover because I'm going to get to what I want to talk about today. But it's starting in verse 15, he is going to leave, and he's going to get out of there. He's going to end up in the land of Midian. He's going to meet, he's going to see these seven daughters there in Midian, and these shepherds try to start kind of taking advantage of them. Moses is going to stick up for them and defend them. They're going to go back and tell their dad, and their dad's going to say, where is this guy? And then he ends up with a wife, Zipporah, and he ends up with a job. He's a shepherd now in the backside of the desert. Imagine the contrast. And by the way, this journey from where Pharaoh lived to Midian was about, if I remember right, about 300 miles. So he was going a long way. He didn't jump in his car and head down that way. He was, he was making the track walking, taking whatever he had of his possessions, and he was gone. Finds himself in that situation, defends these ladies, ends up with the wife, and he's got a job. He's a shepherd on the backside of a desert. Two different lives. The first life in public, underneath the, basically the, the, the highest person, the king, Pharaoh, the second life in really one, you're alone in a desert out by yourself. But that brings us to chapter 3, which is what I want to kind of lead into a little bit. I said that I wanted to cover that so because I'm going to come back to that in context in a minute. And I want to deal with chapter 3 and some of chapter 4, maybe not reading every single verse, but I want to talk today about insecurity. Insecurity is something that um, we all can struggle with, and I think the theme of that is seen in this text. But I want to talk a little bit in the introduction here. Because God has a plan for our lives, and God's plan involves three things. And I wrote this down. God wants to do things for you. Boy, I like that. God wants to do things for me. He saved me. There's things that God does for me. And I'm always thankful for what God wants to do for me. But then God wants to do things in me means he wants to change me. It's what we would call sanctification. God's trying to do some things in my life. He's trying to kind of uproot some of that sinful stuff in my life. And he's trying to help me to grow in my faith and trust in him. So God wants to do things for me. Always like that. God wants to do things in me. Boy, that can get a little bit painful. But then God wants to do things through you. And that's where insecurity comes in. If, God, you want to give me something, okay, I'll take it. If you want to work in me, that's just me privately, so it's painful, but I'll do it. But you want to work through me, that means that I've got to go minister to someone else, and that's where I get insecure. That's when the excuses start coming. That's when I start to think I can't do that. Because insecurity is a lack of confidence or it's self-doubt. It's the gap between what I know I am and where I want to be. And so I like to think of This was helped me put frame it a little bit. So if I were to use this phrase, I am not blank enough. That's where you find your insecurity. So if you would finish that sentence, I am not smart enough. There's your insecurity. You say, well, I, I'm not talented enough. There's your insecurity. I'm not gifted enough. I'm not spiritual enough. I'm not brave enough. I'm not organized enough. I'm not, and it's unlimited. And if your mind is a racer like mine, well, you got all kinds of, them. you could rapid fire a few of them right now, but it's, When you say, I am not, and whatever you fill in right there, and then you say enough, that is an area of your insecurity. And too often, as people, we don't see our potential, because all we see is our weaknesses, all we see is our inabilities, all we see is maybe some, what we think are limits to our personalities, and so we just stay in insecurity. And that bleeds into our spiritual life. Because now we'll say, well, I'm not... I don't know the Bible enough to witness or to teach. Or to, and all of a sudden now, we're putting God in a box. Like, God, you would do really good with this person, but with me, you, you don't have much to work with. You know what I love about the Bible? When I study the Bible, God used some people that didn't have, he didn't have much to work with. Some fishermen from, the, the, from Galilee, and he used them to turn the world upside down in the book of Acts. I think God can use us, but insecurity is a tool that Satan likes to use. Because what does it do? And I'm get, getting introductory before we get into lesson. We're going to show you where this is at. But here's how we usually deal with our insecurity in our own flesh. And we're trying to like, all right, I'm going to... So some of us, we're just paralyzed by it. we We just don't do whatever that needs to be done because we're paralyzed by that I'm not whatever enough. And so we just paralyze. We don't do anything. Then other people develop this mentality. They'll just say, well, I don't care. You know, I just don't care about that. Let them, you know, I and we we kind of take on this little bit trying to sound confident but it's the i don't care mentality when really the i don't care is just covering up an insecurity that we have so we'll say well i don't I, you know i just don't care about that well maybe you do you're just not brave enough to do it and so you're trying to cover it up others try to power through it by trying to show hyper confidence but they're in their flesh and others do whatever they can to fix it and they want to they want to work on it so today we're going to we're obviously talking about Moses he's 40 years old now he's in the backside of the desert now he's going to be about 80 years old when we're picking up our story he's he's going to be the one that's going to lead Egypt or lead Israel out of Egypt I don't think I'm telling you any groundbreaking news here that you probably don't know in this class that that Moses is going to lead them out but he had to wrestle through some things. We often think of these Bible characters as people that are just like, well, yeah, he's just perfect for this job. Deliver him. No, he wasn't perfect for this job. God was perfect for it. And God used someone that had some insecurities. And I'm looking at a room full of people that probably have some insecurities. That probably, if we were to pull that sentence and make you fill in the gap, I am not blank enough, they're going to have some answers for that. But I want, I, I want to show you today that God could Used Moses, and I think God can still use us in spite of some of these insecurities. So, how I'm going to do this? It's not going to be though. I'm going to read like the first eleven verses of chapter three, and then it's going to kind of want to bounce around into chapter four. Some we're going to talk first about his excuses, some of his insecurities. We're going to look at all those, and then we're going to see how God kind of blew all of those away with all of his answers. And we're going to get into those answers. And then if I don't talk about there's a there's a I will remember because my brother gave me a little nugget in there when we were praying. And I loved what he had to say, and I, I'm stealing it. I don't know where he stole it from, but I'm going to use it when we come to the last part of this. So don't let me forget. But let's just let's roll up our sleeves a little bit. Let's get into chapter 3, verse 1. And I want you to see the setting. He's now on the backside of the desert. He's away from Egypt. He's been this shepherd. It's close, closing on to the next 40 years. That's a long time, by the way, now. I mean, he's been there for 40 years. Now he's over here. But let's see what happens. Verse 1. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire. And the bush was not consumed. So you have this bush that's burning, but it's not consuming. You understand what what fire does. It just consumes whatever it does. I mean it's but it's not consuming this bush. So he notices it. Verse three, and Moses said, I, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is burnt. I hope he didn't actually talk like that in his head. It does sound a little bit weird. I will now turn aside. I'm like, man, that's that's kinda weird. I would have just been like, Whoa, look at that. You know, but maybe he was sophisticated and raised in Egypt, and I'm just raised in Cuna. Maybe that's why. But but he says, I will now turn aside and he's gonna take take a look at this. In verse 4, and when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place wherein thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father and the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people, which are in Egypt. And I have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, and I know their sorrows. And I think it's an interesting touch here that God is doing. He's going to get to his point. But he's, he, don't you think Moses for the last 40 years has been thinking about this? We know from Hebrews that it says that he chose rather to suffer the affliction than, than the pleasures of sin for a season. We know that. We read that verse last week. So, I think as Moses is now away from his people, he's thinking about the afflictions that he saw. He's thinking about the fact that maybe, maybe, I mean, I can't get into his mind here, but maybe he's thinking about is there anything that I should be doing? I mean, this is going on over here. I've had all of this privilege and they have nothing. And I think that there's, there's, that had to have been weighing on him for 40 years. Now God is just bringing all of that up and he says, listen, I know what's going on over there in Egypt. And I think that was. That felt good for Moses at this point. But I think it's going to turn on Moses in a second. But he said, I, I'm to read verse 7 again. He says, And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their task. Force. I know their sorrows. I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of the land of the... the I've got to, I wanted to say something. I've got to focus on my reading. I keep wanting to teach. i just like, all right, I'm going to go stop here for a second. Let me just read that, and then I'm going to come back. Notice what God says. And I am come down to deliver. So God's... It sounds like if you're Moses, you're like, oh, okay, God's going to do something about this. Okay? He says, I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of the land unto the good land, and a large unto the land flowing with milk and honey unto the place of the Canaanites, and the Hittites, and the Amorites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is coming to me, and I have seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Everything, if you're Moses right now, what are you thinking? You're sitting back and you're thinking, hey, God just said he's going to take care of this. God's going to come down. God's going to deliver him. Moses is back there as a shepherd, been isolated for basically 40 years, thinking, this is good. I'm glad, God. I'm glad that you're kind of seeing this. Wish you would have done it a little earlier, but I'm glad that you've seen this. For Moses, he's sitting back. No need to be insecure because God said he's going to deliver them. But then the next verse happens. Verse 10. He says, Come now, therefore, and I will send thee to Pharaoh. Uh-oh. <laughs> That's not what I was hoping for there, God. You, you were going to deliver them. You were going to just snap your fingers and, and do your thing. I don't Why why do you need to involve me? But remember what I said at the very beginning of this? God wants to do things for us. God wants to do things in us. I think that's been the last 40 years for Moses. And then God wants to do things through us. God did things for Moses. He protected his life. God's been doing things in Moses over this last 40 years. But now he wants to use him, go do something through him. And that's when it gets insecure. He says, "I, I want to send you to Pharaoh. Oh, Pharaoh wants to kill me? that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And here comes the very first one. And Moses said unto God, Who am I? That I should go into Pharaoh. That I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt. Here's the first of Moses' insecurities. He's been called by God for this job. It sounded like it was going to be God taking care of it. Now he realizes it's him and he says, I, whoa, whoa, I can't do this. So his first excuse is basically saying, i'm not dependable god he says who am i who am i i'm not dependable to do this and, and maybe this is coming off of some past failures maybe he's saying who am i because i'm a murderer god who am i last time i was there i blew this thing i i murdered the people uh, uh, the egyptian hit it they want to kill me now plus then i thought i was going to do something good and the, the egyptian or the israelites were fighting the next day and they were mad at me they were criticizing me who am i to go God, you've messed this whole thing up. I'm not the one to go. They, they, don't even, they don't even ex, didn't even accept me when last time I left. The last thing in his mind about those Israelites was the rejection he felt when they were mocking him, saying, well, who made you a prince over us? He thought he was helping them. And now they've rejected him. He's saying, God, it's not me. I'm not dependable. I'm, he's a murderer. He fled for 40 years. Maybe he's thinking, if all the people knew what I've done, I mean, there's just no way, God, I'm the wrong person. And can't we do that in our modern day? Sitting in a church and maybe God's working in our heart to do something and we say, I, God, I can't do it. You don't know my past. I mean, you know my past, God. If the pastor knew my past or if, they, if that church knew my past, or whoa, whoa God's not talking about his past. Well, I, you know, I, I can't do this because, you know, it's just, and we got all these excuses, but what here Moses is saying, the very first one, he says, I'm not dependable. Now, I'm not going to give you God's answers yet, I don't think. I want to give you all of his insecurities. (laughs) Then we're going to come back and see how God just blows them all out of the water. But first says, God, I'm not dependable. Who am I? And some of us in this room, we've said that a few times probably, myself included. God, "Ah, it's not me. Who am I? I'm not dependable, God. But then let's skip ahead now. Now we're skipping way ahead. Let's go to chapter 4. Because God gave some good answers we'll go back to. But chapter 4, verse 1, look at what Moses says now. Moses' answer said, but behold, they will not believe me nor hearken unto my voice, for they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. So he says here, secondly, he said, God, I'm not believable. I have no influence. I have no credibility. So at first he said, I'm not dependable because of my past. But now he says, I'm not, I'm not believable. I've got no influence with these people. They they, they don't even they don't know me. I've been gone for 40 years. And they don't, they, I don't have any influence. I'm not believable. And some of us today will say, well, you know, the town knows my faults. I've already touched on that. My family's seen my weak moments, so I can't lead. I will be rejected. All of these excuses are coming to his mind. And he just said, God, they're not going to believe me. I'm going to go back and I'm going to say, God has told me to do this. And they're going to be like, yeah, right. And they won't believe me. And just that fear of rejection. Does anybody in here just admit, is fear of rejection one of your fears? Mine. Okay, that's two of my hands up. Anybody else have a fear of rejection? I don't like the fear of rejection. You do? Good. I hate the fear of rejection. And so it makes a lot of things uncomfortable, even doing loans, you know, when you're like, all right, we're going to do this. And then like, well, this bank's going to do this. I'm like, okay, well. And it, I just hate the fear of rejection. Now, I've kind of, I kind of, I have that. Remember I said at the beginning that I don't care mentality. I live by the I don't care mentality, which when I say I don't care, on the backside, now that you know me, you just say, Brad, you really do care, don't you? I mean, like, no, nah, I don't care. You really do care. but But it's just... There's insecurities that we all have. And Moses is the second one. I got to keep moving. I don't have time to be getting sidetracked. I'm not dependable. He says, I'm not believable. And then in chapter 4, verse 10, he says, And Moses said unto the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I'm not eloquent, neither here, here neither here, to four. There we go. I don't know why I'm struggling with that today. Nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. He says, Okay, I'm just not capable, God. I don't have the ability to do it. He, he said, I can't speak well. You know, maybe in our lives we think we've got we've got some handicaps. Obviously, I can't read today, so there's my handicap. I don't know what my deal is. I know what my deal is. I get too rushed. I want to get to my point, but we can't. You know, say I I just don't do well at this, and so because I don't, I have this. Or maybe you do have some handicaps. You maybe do have some struggles, and you feel like because of that I can't serve God. And then you think, well, everything everyone else is so talented, and and so for me I feel so insecure because I can't do this. And it's just we're basically saying to God, God. I'm not capable of this. There's no way that I can do this. But here's what all of our excuses are. Because we may be saying, I'm not dependable, I'm not believable, I'm not capable. But all of that is to be summed up by saying this to God in verse 13. We're basically saying, God, I'm just not available. I'm not available. My insecurity is too strong. I'm not available. I may say I'm not dependable. and I may say I'm not believable. And I may say I'm not capable. But really, I'm just not available. In verse 13, So here's what Moses said to God. And he said, oh, my Lord, send, I pray thee, by the hand of him whom thou wilt send. Just just send whatever. But he's already been presenting to him Aaron. Can you just take Aaron, my brother? Just take him. He can speak well. He's got everything. Now, for me, that's hard to say this story, knowing Aaron's sitting over here, because I don't ever say take Aaron over me or anything. I mean, just kidding. But he's saying, hey, you know what? I just can't. I can't do it. Just take somebody else. He's basically to the point where he's saying, God, I'm just not available. And that's where Satan gets us when we live in our insecurity. When we live in our insecurity, we get to the place where we have all these excuses and it leaves us just where we're saying, not available to God. We're just going to do our own thing. And it's a scary place to be because that's exactly where Satan wants us to be. He wants us thinking about all of these possible scenarios. But here's what I love about God. God, and I skipped some verses that we'll now try to get back to if I can find them. Because here's God's answer. Go back to chapter 3 and look at verse 13. After Moses' first excuse. Remember that little gap phrase, I am not blank enough, I am not whatever enough? We're going to come back to that. Because look at this at first in verse 13. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come to the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you they shall say unto me what is thy name Moses saying this what is thy name and what shall I say unto them and God said unto Moses I am that I am and he said thou shalt say unto the children of Israel I am has sent me unto you I was a kid growing up in church this phrase always bothered me because I'm like I don't get it I just I am okay what's so intimidating about I am you know and then Jesus when he said, the i am in the new testament they want to pick up stones and kill him i'm like why this i am phrase is such a big deal well he's identifying as god here in this moment it's a phrase identifying him as god but for the context of what we're going on in our story here and you notice the capitalization in that but in the context of what it's saying think about the gap that i told you about i am not blank enough and here's what god is saying with that i am he just leaves it sitting out there i am well what what's your insecurity I'm not smart enough. God's saying, I am smart. Well, I'm not talented enough. Here's God. I am talented. Well, I, I don't have the influence. Here's God's answer. I am. Influencer. God is everything that we think that we can't be. And everything that he needs us to be to do the work through us, God says, I am that. And what's great about serving God is God's not expecting us to to be the great, all-powerful, all-knowing person that can just deliver his message. God's not looking down saying, I hope that he's really the one. God's just saying, I just need a willing vessel that's available. I just need some human body that's available that I can use speak through them. So Moses, maybe you can't speak well. I don't need you to speak well. I'm just going to help you. God just wants to use, God just wants our availability. So when Moses says I'm not dependable, God says I'm forgiving. Remember when he says I'm dependable, we have the mindset of my past and, and you don't know I've killed somebody. There's no way God says I'm forgiving. has God not proven that he's been forgiving over his in, in throughout the Bible as we study the Bible. And in verse 12 we go back to verse 12 when when he was saying that I can't go forward. Who am I? Remember God said in verse 12 and he said certainly I will be with thee. God's presence was going to be with him. Yeah, you may think you're not dependable, Moses, but I will be with you. Then he says, well, I'm not believable. Remember that in chapter 4, verse 1. He says, I'm not believable, but I think about God's I am statement. God's saying, but I am powerful. Then he tells him to take a rod. This is the little nugget that my brother gave me. Let me read this for you first, though. Chapter 4, we already read verse 1. Look at verse 2. And the Lord said unto him, what is in thine hand? And he said a rod. Now, what is that rod for? You know, I know he's 80 years old, but a little different 80 back then. He ended up living to 120, so he's only halfway there or close a little less than halfway. A little more than halfway, sorry. My math's bad, too. My English and my math's bad. So, see, God can use you, all right? So, he's 80 years old, but he's got this rod. He's got this rod. He's had this rod for over 40 years. And he's just been walking around with this rod for 40 years using it as a shepherd. You think of a shepherd's hook. He's been using it as a shepherd shepherd. It's nothing new to him. So when God is trying to show Moses that I can use you, I can use anything. He he picks something that Moses has had with him for 40 years. He didn't say you need to get something new and improved and then I can use you. He found something that's old that he's been having he's had for 40 years. And he says, "What's in your hand?" He's like this. Oh, that's my rod. And God immediately turns it into a snake like that, which is a sick prank, by the way. I mean, that's just absolutely a sin. It's my least favorite Bible story because I hate snakes. I'm like, okay, God, you don't have to punish me with that. But uh, but no, he turns it into a snake like that. He took something that was old, something that was familiar, something that what, he didn't have to change. He didn't have to have something new, the new and improved, the best. He just took something that he everyday thing and he turned it into something else. Here's what God's saying. Hey, you're sitting here maybe in this seat, and I'm sitting here maybe teaching this thing, and you know what? I, I, I just I'm not there yet. I gotta learn this. I got God can use you where you are right now. Like you can use an old rod. God was trying to show Moses, I don't I need the newest improved. You don't have to be all this. Just be available. The rod has been faithful, the rod has been available, and I'm turning it into a thing. I can turn you into whatever I want you to be. Just be available available to me. So he turns the rod into a snake and then he tells him to take his hand in verse 6 and put it in his coat pull it out. And his hand is leprous. And then he says, if they still won't believe that, then I'm going to turn the water to blood, which he ended up doing. But but he's showing Moses that I am all-powerful. You may not think that you're enough because he may be saying I am not this enough. But God is saying I am all-powerful. I can do anything. Then Moses remember he said, I'm not capable. But God, when he says this, I am, he's saying basically, I am, I am the creator. So God made you how you are, and he can work through whatever weakness that you have. But Moses, he you know, he still had that doubt. He still had that discouragement, he still was filled with that insecurity. And eventually. In in verse 13, when he said, you know, God, just do whatever you're going to do. Just do it. In verse 14 says, And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, Is not Aaron the Levite thy brother? I know that he can speak well. And also, behold, he cometh forth to meet thee. And when he seeth thee, he will be glad in his heart. Thou shalt speak unto him and put words in his mouth. And I will be with thy mouth and with his mouth. And I will teach you what you shall do. And he shall be thy spokesman unto the people. And he shall be, even he shall be to thee instead of a mouth. And thou shalt be to him instead of God. And thou shalt take this rod in thine hand, wherewith thou shalt do sign. So in the end, it's kind of a sad moment. I'm going to end there for a second. But it's kind of a sad moment because even in all of this wrestling that, that Moses is doing with his own insecurity, because he was fine when God did things for him, he was God fine when God did things in him but now that God's wanting to work through him boy he's been wrestling with this and even in the end he still got frustrated God to the point where God said fine I'm going to use another person I'm going to use you but I'll use someone else to be the spokesman because he's still wrestling with that insecurity and you know if you and I if we're going to see victory over insecurity we got to stop focusing on our weaknesses and start focusing on who God is that's the really the foundational promise uh, the foundational problem with insecurity is i'm so focused on myself i forget about the god that i serve he's all powerful he's all knowing and we've got to get back to that i think of the verse dad may have yeah he preached on it last week a verse that i like second corinthians 12:9 when when god says speaking to paul and he said my grace is sufficient for thee for my strength is made perfect in weakness And then Paul said, Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities. Can you think of that? If you've went through some difficult times in your life, it's it's hard to say, I'm going to glory in that. But Paul got to the place where he said, I'm going to glory in my infirmities, this thorn that's in my flesh. And then the reason was, he goes, so the power of Christ may rest upon me. That's what Moses was, was not quite getting yet. Is that, yeah, you may not be able to speak the best, But that's only going to give God more glory, which is our purpose in life. Yeah, you you may not be believable because of the last last situation you were there, but that's only going to bring more glory to God when God works through you. And so my encouragement to you today is this. Don't become paralyzed by your insecurities or don't get this I don't care mindset, but rather move forward in your Christian life by trusting God and God's promises. Don't sit back with excuses. That's what Moses did. He about missed out on a big opportunity. Don't sit back and excuses. God wants to use you. And if he's been moving in your heart something, that may be that's God's working in you, and he's about to work through you. And all you got to do is be available. And, and the next statement out of your mind, because I about said it, I'm like, well, I don't know. No, stop, stop, stop. You got to stop. God can do through you whatever he wants. So if you know he's calling you, and we know he called because chapter 3, verse 1 through 11, that's important. Now if right now I was like, well, I'm going to go to the, pres- the White House and I'm going to walk up there and I'm going to share the gospel with Joe Biden. Okay, God's not called me to do that. That's just me being crazy. I'm going to get shot by Secret Service. And now, could God stop the bullets? Yeah, that'd be sweet, by the way. you know, Just imagine me walking in like the Matrix and the bullets are stopping and everything. That would be cool. But that's not what God's called me to do. And so I would probably be dead, on the doorstep so you got to make sure that this is god calling you to do this but if god's calling you the next thing that's going to happen is all the excuses are going to flood in our mind and that's where we got to stop and say god i'm going to just trust you and then we make a step forward in faith to whatever that's what god wants us to do to teach to sing to do whatever take that step and don't let insecurity rob you of the blessings of god let's pray